Welcome to the Action Hour. My name is Jesse Simpson, and I believe there's never been a better time in the history of the world to be alive. I'm on a mission to bring you the insights, ideas, and inspiration you need to uncover your greatness and take action on your dreams. If you want to start a business, write a book, take a big trip, or level up to a higher state of living in the world, mentally, physically, spiritually, or financially, the stories found in this show will provide the action steps and energy you need to succeed. No matter what you are going through or where you've been, you can at any time break that cycle and transform your life. This show is going to show you how to do it. If you've got the itch to act, now is the time. Allow the inspiring stories within this show to serve as your guide. This is the Action Hour. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Welcome back, everyone. Jesse Simpson here. I'm truly grateful that you are here. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you are enjoying this journey and you're coming along with me on this journey to transformation, on a journey to a life well-lived, on a journey that leads to a future that is brighter than our past, individually, collectively, and the world around us. We are all in this together. And as we continue to move forward from this place of wholeness and completion, we're going to find our path, our purpose, and our place in the world. And there's nothing more important than that because that opens the door of opportunity. And that door of opportunity to, opportunity leads to a, a life that, that we were never told that we had access to, but we do. I hope to open that door or at least show you the way through my stories and the stories of the guests that I'll be bringing on these shows. But ladies and gentlemen, I truly deeply believe that there's never been a better time in the history of the world to be alive. I'm so grateful to be bringing these stories to you. And I want to just set the stage for what's to come. Every Monday, I'll be releasing an interview with myself, which doesn't make any sense, but basically it'll be me talking just like this episode here. The, the, on every Wednesday, I'll be releasing an interview with some inspiring person, whether they're an entrepreneur or or almost said business owner or author or world traveler or someone else who's done something powerful in their life. And I am, I'm not, I'm not joking when I say the people I have right now that are coming out soon are just incredibly inspiring people there that are going to show you how to overcome whatever the hell you think you're going through right now. And so you can move forward to create your life. So you can knock on that door of opportunity. Now today you know, this, I'm almost hesitating right now because this episode is, is heavy for me. I've, I've been, I've been asking for permission. I always say, don't ask for permission, but I've been asking for permission. I've been asking people like, what do you think about this? Should I go this deep? Should I share this? Because this probably is the most vulnerable thing that I have inside of me to share. But I hope that this episode will bring some light to the power of changing your focus, changing your life and choosing forgiveness so you can move on with your life and come home to yourself. This message, this episode is for all the people who, who don't have a home, who feel disconnected, who feel alone on this journey of their life. So I'm just going to get right into it. Now, this is almost like a journey to now part three, but I've said in a previous episode that I was kicked out of my home my freshman year. Now, backtracking a little bit, I was a super troubled kid. I was kicked out of school regularly for fighting, smoking weed, cussing out teachers. I was suicidal when I was in seventh grade. It was a mentor that saved my life. And also 9-11 happened when I was in seventh grade. And that gave me a sense of purpose that was larger than myself. But it wasn't like that was the end of it. My eighth grade year, the mentor I had, Mr. Blue, took me and two other boys on this tour of a downtown juvenile court detention center in the town where I grew up. 
it was a scary tactic sort of trip. Like you're going to end up here if you don't get your shit together sort of field trip. After that trip to the detention center, we went and sat in front of a judge. That judge lectured us for about 45 minutes. And at the end of that lecture, he pointed at the first boy. He said, you'll be dead by the time you turn 18. Pointed the second boy. You'll be in jail. And he pointed to the third boy and he said, you have a chance to write your own story. Now, I always say, I don't know what happened to those other boys, but I believe that I'm here because I've had a chance to write a new story. And I've shared that in a previous episode, but it's relevant here because not long after that trip, Mr. Blue, my mentor, the man who really truly saved my life when I was troubled, when, when I was this troubled kid was laid off. Then my freshman year, I continued to get right back into trouble. And, you know, I was in a, I was in a sort of uh, a, a different, difficult environment um, growing up. I, I felt I'm, I'm walking on eggshells. I'm, I feel very anxious right now to share what I'm about to share. But basically what happened, I, I, I was in a fight with my mom and I fell back into a corner and I snapped and I punched my mom in the face and I knocked her to the ground. And that moment is why I was kicked out. I, I knocked my own mom out. And I remember going upstairs and like crying and I, I was like, holy fucking shit, what just happened? You know, I, I fell back into a corner and I just snapped. And I went upstairs and I was just so confused. I wasn't really sure. I was like scared as hell. And then I went downstairs and I saw my mom laying on the couch with an ice pack on her face and cry, she was crying. And she goes, call your dad. You're not welcome here anymore. And that experience of loss, of being pushed out of my own home, led to this feeling of never having a home, of never being able to come home to myself. Fortunately, my, my dad recently moved back to Iowa, which is where I grew up, and um, I, I moved away. My dad came and got me. And I'm so thankful and grateful for that experience. And, and really as traumatic as that was to I freaking punch my own mom in the face is as traumatic as that was, I think it might've been the best thing that could have happened to me because in fact, those groups of people that I were hanging with are literally dead or in jail or addicted to drugs. And so as traumatic as that was for me to move on and leave and be uprooted like that and just kicked out of my own home, my own mother in a way, like I don't disown me. I don't want to say that. Um, but just push me out, kick me out. You know, it, it was, um, it was very, very difficult, but looking back, it was like, I had to, that had to happen. I wish there were maybe was a better way that it would have went about, but either way, that's how it happened. So that's been like a big driving factor. I think of my life. Now, I think a lot of people have this feeling of not being good enough. We are told that we are not good enough by all kinds of popular culture, the TV, everything around us, Instagram, all this shit says we're not good enough the way we are. And so we're always looking for things outside of ourselves to try and make us feel better, but it never works. Well, I'm going to skip over some, some stuff in my life. Um, you know, I joined the Marines that saved my life. I, I became a firefighter and all those sort of things. And fast forward a bit, uh, here I am traveling the world. So if that doesn't make any sense to you, you need to listen to a couple of the episodes before the journey to now part one and part two. But here we are now. I, I, I talked before about how six years to the date, 
I was in Lima, Peru. And Lima, Peru is the city that changed the course of my life. A volunteer trip there truly changed, it changed my life. It changed my life forever. And it's what gave me this call to adventure, to see the world, because I found out there was another way to live. And that happiness is something that comes from inside. It's a feeling, not something that comes from the outside. Now, in Lima, Peru, Jessica and I worked at a hostel called Cocopelli. We worked there as bartenders um, over Christmas to New Year's Eve going into 2019. The Cocopelli motto was, home is not a place, it's a feeling. And that really resonated with me, you know, because here I am, got kicked out of my house my freshman year in high school. And I realized looking back that I felt like I never had a home because now looking back, I can see that I associated home with pain. And so therefore I would always push away. I would reject relationships. I would reject physical freaking houses, like places, cities. I bounced around a lot. The military that I moved back to Iowa, then I moved to Arizona. And then I have, now here I am traveling. I never had this feeling of being home, being grounded because of that childhood experience. So that feeling of never being home, never coming home to myself stayed with me, which is why I think I felt so disconnected and why I needed substances to keep me moving forward. Why I could use substances, which is something outside of myself to suppress the anger, the shame, the sadness, the lack of worthiness the, the lack of deservingness about having a home. You know, I use those things to make me feel better or to suppress those negative emotions. And I think that's why the Coco Pelli motto, home is not a place, it's a feeling, really resonated with me. Because I felt at home while traveling in a way, we were bouncing around from place to place, but I met people that were just like me. People who were looking for something, who were on a mission, who, who were called to an adventure. We came from so many different places. We were all going different places. But really, I think at the core of it, we were all looking to come home to ourselves. And there's something about the world that will teach you that what you're looking for is right inside of you right now. As soon as you look inside, as soon as you decide to look at yourself, forgive yourself, choose forgiveness, change the way you look at things. And the world around you will change. The world has a way of helping you see those things in a very real way, especially when you're on this journey with other people. Now, that was the feeling that I got from Coco Pelli. We had a great time there. It was incredible. The um, website that we got all this information from or we learned about these opportunities was called WorkAway, workaway.info. You can go volunteer at places around the world. Check it out. It's truly incredible. You can volunteer at these places and they give you a free place to stay. So that's what we did at the hostel. We did this in in the Andes Mountains. We worked at a lodge for over a month and it's really incredible. So that's kind of a side tangent, but check that out if you're interested in traveling on the cheap and you want to do some cultural immersion. Now, fast forward a bit after Peru, we went to Colombia. I'm going to get into some stories about Colombia. Holy shit, that place is an incredibly amazing, transformative place. But I went to Bogota one time and I was taking a tour of the city. And when you're out traveling, you always are going to run into people who are asking for money. A lot of times these people are selling things, little trinkets and that sort of stuff. Um, and, and it's always, it's this, it's this, the same sort of stuff. They're always where the tourists are at. And it's always, I think, good to go on a walking tour. When you get to a new city, you can learn about it. And you're going to see these people and you, you know learn about them. But Bogota was different. When I was walking away from this group of, of people selling these little trinkets, I heard like a, a call out, like a hey. And I stopped and I turned around. And I saw this man walking up to me. He was limping. He had like a, a twisted leg. His arm was kind of crimped up. He had like a, he just had, something was seemed off, but he had the biggest smile. And he walked up to me and he really spoke pretty good English. I mean, he's a Colombian man. And 
he spoke really good English and he, he engaged with me and he was asking me, you know, where are you from? What you doing here? All these different things. And we kind of got, we, we were talking back and forth and it really, he just wanted to, to practice his English. And he was just so excited to practice with someone who speaks English. His name was Juan and he was selling these little calendar books. We spoke for a few minutes and it was just a really fun, lighthearted conversation. And then he got to, where are you from? And I told him the United States and he kind of paused for a second and he said, oh, my family lives in Florida. And I said, oh, how exciting. You know, are they here visiting you or are you visiting Columbia or what's going on here? And Juan kind of put his head down. He stopped smiling so much. And he said, no, my family left me in a pile of trash when I was a baby because I have epilepsy. I didn't know what to say. After a few seconds, I mumbled out, Juan, I am so sorry to hear that. And he looked at me and he said, Jesse, it's okay. You are my friend. And I said, Juan, you are my friend. And it was this moment of human connection of this man who was left in a pile of trash, who had the biggest smile I'd ever seen. Some of those kids in Peru, interesting. And then here I am just coming down and I, I realize what it was like to be home with yourself, to be happy with yourself, regardless of what your past would say, regardless of what's going on in the outside world. It's like the epilepsy explained his disabilities, his limp and, and his lisp and kind of the way he was talking, but it didn't explain his smile. There was something deeper there. At this point, my tour group was up the street a bit. And so I needed to go catch up. So I said, Juan, it was so great to meet you. Thank you so much. I, I bought a calendar book from him and I, I headed off. You know, that's the one person I wish I would have got a selfie with because I still think about this man often and uh, I never got a picture with him. But either way, I, I went up and I, I just, that experience with this man named Juan in Bogota, Colombia was, it stayed with me and how he was so happy. He chose happiness and it was so, um, ins it's, it's inspiring. I've never met someone who was literally left in the trash as a child. And if I would have, I wouldn't have imagined that they are smiling like this man was just grateful to be alive. I felt a sense of lightness the rest of the, the rest of the day, the rest of the trip. And um, then fast forward a bit, Jessica and I headed off to, to Europe and we knew we had to go home. I spoke in the cure to cancer episode about my brother who was getting sick. I knew he was getting worse. Something was different this time, even though he'd been suffering now for 20, 21, 22 years, I knew it was time to go home. And we were, we were planning on going home after Europe. We were in Budapest, Hungary, and I had this overwhelming feeling that I needed to go home to slay this dragon that I had been running from my entire life. And I, you know, I got wrapped up in my head one day. I was super anxious and I was, we were running late for a tour and Jessica and I and our friend, Sarah, who we met in Peru at Cocopelli were on this way to this tour, we were running late. And I ran across one street and I looked to my right and there was no cars coming. And then right then I started to step out and I heard this noise. <gasps> and so I stopped and right then a car blew passed from left to right, probably going 50 miles an hour. And I was like an inch away from its bumper. And I was so wrapped up in my own mind. I was so wrapped up in, in myself and like my anxiety that I almost cost my now wife everything. My sister was planning her trip to Paris. Everything would have changed if I would have been a second faster in moving forward. So that shook everybody up, but it was just kind of a, a way to paint the picture of like how anxious I really felt 
because I was going home and I, I felt like an outsider, you know, and this is a really confusing time because my brother is so sick and I want to go home and see my brother, but I don't know where I belong in my own family. And then when I think about it, I now had probably been feeling like this for, you know, since I was a freshman in high school, since I was, I was kicked out and I went home and then there was this dragon, you know, this, this beast that I had not ever addressed. And so I go home and I'm a, tra- I'm, I'm a changed man. I see the world through a different lens. I feel all sorts of, of love and, and power and compassion for the world and what I've experienced in my life and where I've been and how I, what I did to overcome those things. But I still had to go home. And I went home. And I felt disconnected. I felt disengaged. I felt like I had been out of this country for so long and no one, no one cared. No one asked me any questions. No one, no one showed any really interest in what I was experiencing or even maybe why I went or how dark of a place I was that led to the trip. That led to me like doing a lot of judgment, a lot of judging, a lot of trying to change, a lot of trying to fix people in my family. Now, this is all the while my, my brother is, is very, very sick. And what I've realized looking back, and especially now it, it, it is very much so relevant, is the times when you try to fix, quote unquote, fix people or change them, or what we could say help people, even with the best intentions in mind, that sends a clear message to them that they are not good enough. When you try to change, help, quote unquote, or fix people, it sends a message to them that they are not good enough. Interesting how that's how I felt my entire life. Interesting how I was projecting my own feelings of shame and sadness onto the people that I love, my family, to try to fix them, to get them to conform to what I wanted them to be. Now, this has happened in the past with Jessica and and, in past relationships. Now, here I'm doing with my family and I'm noticing this disconnection like like we're magnets and every time I move, I'm pushing them further away because I was treating them like they were not good enough and they should be doing something different with their life. Like here I am, I'm coming back, I'm this world traveler and I just gonna come in and tell them how to live their life. And that's just not how life works. And what I have realized is that I was unable, I was unwilling to come home to myself and look at myself in the mirror and choose forgiveness around myself. I wasn't able to come home to myself. I was still looking for things outside of me to control, to fix, to change, for me to be content and happy. And that's just not how it works. Now, fast forward a bit through the summer. It was a very challenging time. I mean, we were, I was getting in fights with my, my family and it was, it was difficult. Like I said, I felt like an outsider. I felt like uh, the black sheep of my family. And then my brother was passing away, getting worse. And then he ended up dying in July of 2019. 22 years of battling disease that takes most people out in the first six months. He spent five days in hospice like fighting to the very last moment. And then he, he passed and he was set free from this, this life that gave him so much pain. And we had his funeral on Tuesday. Tuesday night was his funeral. Now, mind you, I was going to grad school. I was going to grad school online the whole time we were traveling. And I was taking three classes this summer in the week of his funeral was finals week. So I had three finals. I had a 10 page paper and a group project that had to be done by that Friday. And I was sitting out on Wednesday morning, looking at all the shit that I had to do. I was frustrated. I was tired. My brother had just died. Like, does anybody care? Hello. I was thinking about all the things I have to do, 
what I had to get done by the end of the week. And then I, I, I sat back a little bit. I looked up, sort of defeated. The sun was coming up and I heard some birds chirping. I was just looking around and I realized in this moment of clarity that these aren't things that I have to do. These are things that I get to do. Because there are so many people, now my brother included, who will never get the opportunity to do any of these things ever again. And I realized in that moment that I get to choose what I focus on. I get to choose what I think about what's happening in the world. Is it things I have to do or are these things I get to do? And the reality is every opportunity that we have is something we get to do. 150,000 people die across the world every day. How many people like Juan were abandoned by their families? How dare I sit there and complain or whine or try to fix things outside of myself and not have the courage to look at myself in the mirror and say, Jesse, it's time to come home. It's time to come home, take charge of your life and realize that you are in complete control over what happens moving forward. If you choose to change the way you look at things, the world around you will change. And if you choose forgiveness, forgiving yourself from your past, you might have an opportunity to come home to yourself so you can stop running from yourself, looking for things outside of yourself to fix, to consume, to change. I thought about how home is not a place, it's a feeling. I thought about Juan who chose to smile, to be grateful, to be alive, even though he was abandoned by his own family. I think this is so important because as we talk about action, as we talk about overcoming adversity and taking action on your dreams, no matter what it is you want to do in the world, you must do it from a place of wholeness, from completion, not a place of running from yourself, trying to avoid coming home to yourself because that feeling of coming home to yourself is what you're looking for after all. So you must choose forgiveness and keep in mind that forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a, it's a decision to let go, to move on. And once you give yourself that opportunity and you stop trying to fix things outside of yourself and you choose to look at the world through the lens of things that you get to do, all of the things you get to do become so much more fueled by love and service and connection to something larger than yourself. And that is what you need, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to create anything meaningful in the world. So it doesn't matter what has happened in your past, what you've done or said or who you've hurt or what people said you would be or how they've hurt you. It matters how you decide to move forward. It matters that you choose to forgive yourself so you can come home to yourself. And from that space, you can create anything you want in the world. That is my message to you. Home is not a place, it's a feeling. Come home to yourself and everything about the world around you will change. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Jesse Simpson. This is The Action Hour. Be sure to follow me on action underscore Jesse on Instagram. And what I would really love more than anything is for you to share this episode with a friend, to leave a review on Apple Podcasts that supports this channel a lot. And remember that no matter who you are or what you're going through or what your past said you would be, you can at any time choose to change your life.